Good evening, my brethren. It is so good to be with you this evening. I'm encouraged by so many of us being here, and it seems like our number on Sunday nights just tick, tick, plus one, plus one. We get some visitors and some more brethren coming, and I'm very encouraged by that. Because I believe my lesson this evening, by the way, is on God's family. Why? Scott led that song. I believe very strongly that we are a family, a family who loves one another. But I'd like to look tonight at what exactly is a family? What is God's family? And how do we work together as a family, both as physical families as well as a spiritual family, and how do we all get to the same place at the end of the day? As I did this study, and I kind of knew some of these things, but I'm always amazed by how much more I learn when I study, particularly to present a lesson or to teach a Bible class. And you look into something, and then it just starts coming in like sliding off the mountain. And you go, oh my gosh, I didn't realize. And sometimes when you realize, you refresh, and you go, oh yeah. And I saw a lot of that on both sides of, oh yeah, and I learned things in preparing for this. The thing that refreshed me and reminded me again of how the tie-in goes between family, the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, and so many things are said in the scriptures, particularly with the Holy Spirit, which um, has been asked as one of the topics, uh, the announcements have been made, if you have some topics that you'd like to hear sermons on to ask, and one of the topics mentioned was the Holy Spirit. And I've asked Mitch if he would to schedule me that, hopefully sometime in August maybe, to, to talk a little bit more about the Holy Spirit because I believe that the Holy Spirit is something that's not talked about a lot in the Church of Christ. And I believe that it is something that we all need to learn more about and understand a little better because it is a utility in our lives that we don't use enough. And I believe that the Spirit works on us in ways that we don't know and that we don't understand. But we're given message in the Bible about many things that we could know and could understand that we don't. So I'd like to address that at a later date. But in, in tying into this lesson, the Holy Spirit works a lot within the family. We have all different kinds of families. We, of course, have our family. Every one of us, because we are a human being, has a family. Whether you know them, whether you don't, whether you interact with them, whether you don't, we have family. Sometimes you love them, sometimes... You tolerate them. But we all have families. We have a church family. We have different relationships within our physical families, our earthly families. And we have different relationships within our church family. And by, by definition, we'll look at the family. By understanding, we'll look at the family. Because there's different associations with the term family that people use on a day-to-day -day basis that may or may not apply. For instance, when we think family, we think people. It's not necessarily just people. Sometimes we look at a family of plants, roses. There's a, a number of species in the family of roses. Or in warbles or, or different animals, they have a different species and they're all related in the same family. We hear about some not so good, we hear about crime families. But they consider themselves a family. They very much are, and in some concepts, they're a stronger family than we hold in our own family ties and binds on earth and in the church, because they have a tremendous commitment to one another. I suspect that's generated by fear for the most part, but it's still a commitment that they hold. 
heard about the guy who accidentally shot himself twice in the back of the head. That's what happens in, in those families. We, we don't do that here. But by definition, and I looked, and this was like a surprise to me, that depending on where you look is what definition you get. I suppose it's like if you watch political TV, depending on whether you're watching CNN, Headline News, Fox News, or another channel, you're going to get varying opinions and approaches and views of the same thing. But by definition, it says a family is a group consisting of parents and children living together in a household, a group of people related to one another by blood or by marriage, sometimes recognized as relatives, relations, kin, next to kin, kin folks, kindred, of own flesh and blood, nearest and dearest people, a clan, a tribe, extended family. Family is a person or a people related to one another. We're related by marriage, we're related by family, we're related by the blood of Jesus Christ, which is blood in a similar context as blood of family, the blood of Jesus Christ saves us. But in either case, there should be a very special, very special loyalty and intimacy within that group. Sometimes you hear, I could not turn away from him because he, I couldn't turn him down. I, I couldn't say no. Why? Because he's family. Sometimes even right or wrong, we still defend or tolerate because they're family. It doesn't justify it. I'm not criticizing or condemning it. I'm just saying it's a statement of fact that sometimes we do these things. Family is defined as, in, in yourdictionary.com, is a group of people that may be made up, and this kind of didn't settle with me very well, partners. I say that as a married couple. Children, parents, aunts, uncles, cousins, and grandparents. An example of a family is a set of parents living with their children. The definition of family is the group of people who share common ancestors. We just sang that song, that we're part of a family. We're part of a family here. It says we're part of a family that's been born again. And we'll look at that born in a minute. Part of a family who, whose love knows no end. Sometimes we sing these songs, and, and over the years I've sung a lot of songs, and, and I go back and look at the words, and sometimes I'm convicted by them, and I've sung the songs for 25, 30, 40 years in the church, and I look back at the words, and I go, oh my gosh. We were in Laurel, I guess it's been two, three years ago now, and I forget the name of the song, but it's the one where he says, and there I was in the midst of the scoffers. And I, I was convicted in my own heart of my own guilt and sin, not of anything specific I had done, but just knowing that I'm one of those people. I started crying emotionally. It's like I, I wanted to be embarrassed, but I couldn't. I was just so ashamed of I was one of those scoffers in the midst of those people. So these words are very convicting and convincing of who we are in part of that family. For Jesus has saved us and made us his own. Now we're part of a family that's on its way home. When a brother meets sorrow, we all feel his grief. When he passed through the valley, we all feel relief. And so many times we hear of somebody dying or we lose a member of the congregation. Eloise, I was so sad to hear of her passing. 
she was a gem in this congregation. She, I look at our older people like diamonds, that they've been here and they've been through it and they've seen the good and the bad and the indifferent. And we should treat them in a very special way. They're very precious to us. Together in sunshine, together in rain. And that's kind of hard to do. It's easy to be together in the sunshine, but when things get tough, as people we have tendency sometimes to bail. You know, we don't want to have to address those things. And though some go on before us, we'll meet again. Just inside the city as we enter in, there'll be no, no more parting with Jesus. We'll be together forever. God's family. We'll leave this earth someday. And we'll leave our physical parents and siblings and relatives. Hopefully they'll be on the other side with us. We treasure our family. As we should. We treasure the relationships. We treasure the memories. We treasure the gatherings. Who doesn't like to go to a good picnic and get some good food? We worshiped at Glen Burnie for 15 years back in the 70s, 80s, and they used to have quarterly picnics in the spring, summer, and fall. And some of those old ladies at that congregation made some of the best food I've ever had in my life. And to this day, we can still name the, the Sue who brought the pecan pie and the Frieda who brought the blueberry roll or whichever one it was. We know those things. Those gatherings are very precious, and we, we build a lot of memories. And Gail's smiling because she knows the people I'm talking about and the things we did together. We also attend funerals together. We attend weddings, holidays. Those holidays are precious. We have a holiday every Sunday, and if I can use that term for it. We gather around the Lord's table. To me, that's a gathering that's more special than any we have in this world. And we do that as a family. Because the only ones who benefit that, whether they partake of those emblems or not, the only ones who benefit are those who are in the family. Because someone who's not a Christian can very well partake of the emblems. But it has no benefit. But to those of us who are baptized believers, we share in that and we rejoice in his death. Not because he died or the way he died, but because by his death we have that hope of eternal salvation. I suppose that's why God shows the concept of family as one of the ways he refers to the church and he gives them many different references but family is one of them in Ephesians the third chapter verses 14 and 15 it says for this cause I bow my knees under the father of our Lord Jesus Christ of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named we're his family and he broadcasts it in his scriptures that we are his family that he should grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And we had talked earlier today about Acts the second chapter, verse 38. We're studying from John 3 this week. And many of these things do relate here. And it's amazing in the scriptures how you can study one thing and something else uh, uh, completely different comes right through in the crosshairs. And here you have another topic within a topic of your study. The Holy Spirit works within us. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit according to Acts 2.38 when we are baptized for the remission of our sins and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, not the power. Tremendous distinction. But we receive that gift and the Spirit works in us. Paul speaks of the family in heaven and in, on earth. We often speak of our church family and how precious it is to us. I know I do. I know my wife does. And I've heard many of you, when we reminisce about our church family, how much we do love them. Carl, when he addresses the congregation publicly, he, I, I admire so, he stands up and he says, Good morning, family. That's precious to me. You may remember Jason Cicero, the preacher from Annandale, was here 
a couple of times this past year. He refers to us as beloved. And I've kind of adopted that a little bit sometimes because I think it's, it's precious. Good morning, beloved. Or when he's talking to you about a very sincere matter, he'll say, beloved, I want you to hear this. It's an endearing term that I appreciate. I guess that's just on a personal level. Let's spend a little time discussing God's family. We have different designations given. Sometimes it's called family. Sometimes it's called the brotherhood. 1 Peter 2.17 says we're to love the brethren. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor the king. Brother or brethren, depending on which version you use, is found 319 times in the New Testament. Sister is used about 22 times. And that's not a distinction between man and woman. By and large, these, de these terms define the physical relationship. But sometimes the words are used in a spiritual sense. It was said in 1 Peter 5, 9, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Good, bad, and indifferent. We see family mentioned, and we'll see it in some negative connotations as well. 3 John 10 says, I wrote the church, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who love to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. Neither does he receive himself, he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and cast them out of the church. I know a man in the church who acts like Diotrephes. He's been called out for it. They are within the church. But he seeks to destroy our family. And we're not going to let him do it. These verses stress a relationship between Christians. A relationship that places them as one concerning a standing in Christ. In Galatians, it, uh, the third chapter, verses 26 through 29. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So now we've heard the Holy Spirit. Now we hear it in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have has been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. That brings us together. Here's born again. I'm going to come back to born in a little while. This is the second time we've seen it. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be then Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, family, and heirs according to the promise. By no means does this remove the distinction between the genders. Male, female, brethren, sisters. We had a little joke going outside this morning about the sisterhood. Somebody made mention of Mary's foot being hurt. She said, what'd you do, what'd you do to her? I said, do to her? She kicked me and hurt her foot. She said, well, you probably deserved it. So it's my fault. And somebody told us, don't get in the middle of the sisterhood. It won't work. True story. 1 Timothy 5, verses 1 and 2. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, and the elder women as mothers, and the youngers as sisters 
all with purity. It doesn't matter what you're denoted in the congregation, if you're an elder, if you're a young man, a brand new Christian, an old lady, a young woman. It doesn't matter. We're family. We're on an equal plane. We're brethren. Child or children is used 168 times in the New Testament. And it doesn't necessarily refer to kids. It talks about us as children of God. We are family because he is our father, Jesus our elder brother, because he is the son of God. We're called children of God. About 80% of the time, the children is used in the New Testament, and that's just an estimated number. It's referring to a physical family, not the spiritual family. But the other 20% refer to us as children of God. Romans 8.16, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now do you see spirit, spirit tying us together as children of God? The spirit within us, the spirit of God and our connection to one another. I think that ribbon trails through our lives in ways that we don't realize and as part of the mystery, as I had said in class this morning, the mystery of God is how he brings us together in such a very special way. Therefore, when it's applied to Christians, the sense of the term reflects a paternal relationship with the Father. We are the children of God. It's also, we're also referred to as the household of God, or in some cases, the house of God. And he says very directly, now therefore, excuse me, Ephesians, the second chapter, verse 19 and 20. Therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. And it doesn't matter if you've been in the church for 60 years, if you were baptized this very morning in this water, you're on an even plane with the saints, the household of God. And that's how we're brought in. We are born into this society through baptism. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. We've been brought in as family. 1 Timothy, the third chapter, verse 14 and 15. These things I write unto thee, hoping to come to thee shortly. But if I tarry long, you may know how I ought to behave, how you ought to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, that's quite a title we have. And it's not just a title, it, it becomes a responsibility. Let me read that again. But if I tarry long, that they may, thou mayest know how thou oughtest to act, how to oughtest but to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Spirit, Jesus, God himself, all brought in in the study of the family. The pillar and ground of truth is God. And if we are his citizens, that's how we are to act at, and carry that torch. He is our great priest. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verse 21 says, we have a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed pure with water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful to promise. That's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 21 through 23. But as we read on to verse 24 and 25, Hebrews, 20, Hebrews 10, 25, 
personally, I think is one of the most misused scriptures that we have. Verse 24, and let us consider one another to provoke. Provoke can be good, provoke can be negative, depending on the approach. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. I'd like to stop right there, but we can't because there's another verse. But our responsibility is to provoke one another to love and to good works. As a family, we should nudge one another to do good things, to be good to one another. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves, which is a term used together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The reason I put that qualifier in for verse 25, so many times I've heard, if you're not here, you're not faithful, and I don't believe that to be the case. I believe that's a whole different study that says, if you're forsaking the assembly, it's not just if you're not here Sunday. First Peter, the fourth, fourth chapter, verse 17, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Us. Judgment. Scary thoughts. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? So we're given the warning. Family, we're going to be judged one day. Family, the high priest, the God of heaven, the God of the church, is going to judge us one day. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? So we have good, bad, and indifferent. God is our Father. 1 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, verse 5 and 6, proclaims that there is but one God and one Father. Verse 5, for even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or, earth, on or, or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ. And the important part of that is, the very last, through whom all things came and through whom we live, through the Father. Since God is our Father, we are his children. And it reminds me of a song. Do you all know the song uh, saying Christmas? Let there be peace on earth. Let there be peace on earth. With God as our Father, brothers all are we. A truer statement couldn't be made. And that song was actually, I sang that song in junior high school. We had it at our Christmas uh, singing thing. And with four-part harmony, that is one of the most beautiful songs you will ever hear if you separate those parts. It's just a lovely, lovely song. But just because God is our Father, or we have an, a Father on earth, doesn't mean we can't adopt another. Some people have adopted children and become their mother or their father. And that is a legitimate parenthood. And I admire anybody who does such because it takes a lot of will, a lot of stamina, and a lot of love to do that. We know that because God has adopted us as his children. And he has the greatest love of any for each and every one of us. And we are lucky and fortunate to be called his father. But some look the other way. Some adopt sin in their lives. And some refuse to be part of this family. In John the 8th chapter, Jesus condemned the spiritual blindness of the Jews. And he said to them, well, let me read it, verse 44, John 8, 44. Ye, of, ye are of your father the devil. 
What a statement of conviction. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. God is truth. God is love. God is the Almighty. And for the complete opposite of that to be said, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Satan has his own little family too. We need to be very, very careful to make sure to decide which side of that track we're going to be on, whether we're going to serve God or serve the devil. There are only two spiritual families. We're a member of one or the other. God is our father. Jesus as son, our elder brother. In Hebrews, the third chapter, verses 3 through 6, it said, Jesus is the high priest and God who built all things. In verse 3, it says, for, for this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken of after. Killers verse 6. But Christ as a son over his own house. Who's, who's Jesus' house? That's us. His church. His bride. But Christ as a son over his own house whose house we are. If we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of hope firm unto the end. So the caveat's put in there. If we hold that hope and firm unto the end. Hebrews 7, chapter, verse 25 also recognizes Jesus as our elder brother and says that he intercedes on our behalf. Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. How do you get into a family? We're born, right? We're born into a family. There's a physical birth for each and every one of us. There's an entry, entryway. If you want to get into the crime families, you're made. You're not born, you're made. But you're brought into that same family, and in a sense, you're born into that crime family. And in that case, you're stuck with it, just like sometimes we're stuck with our own family. Those guys get stuck with theirs, too, or face severe consequences. We know that coming into the family of God, there is a birth in the water, in the watery graves of baptism. It's noteworthy that Jesus compares our entrance into salvation, and thus into the family of God as a birth. John 3, 3 through 5, when he's talking to Nicodemus, and we looked at this this morning, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Parallel verses that John used today in class, Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thus, Acts 2.47, after verse 38, souls were added to the church. And in verse 47 says, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. We have to have that birth to come into the, to the church. And as one is born into a physical family, we must be a partaker of spiritual birth to be a part of the family of God. Family, con family concept that we have on earth with our brothers and sisters and our parents and the lives we live is very much parallel 
to the spiritual birth, spiritually born and living with the family. You have young, you have old, you have good, you have bad, but we love them all. It denotes a sense of belonging. You belong to a family. You're identified with that family. It provides comfort. Belonging to a family does a lot for you. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7, it provides comfort. It gives you strength. You say there's strength in number, and that's true. But there's more strength in the number of family than there is in the number of anything else. It signifies relationships, and we have a unique relationship with the Father and with each other because of that. 1 Timothy 5, chapter 1 and 2, good family relationships demand appropriate conduct. Colossians 1 and 12, we have an inheritance from the Father. Just like our parents, when they leave this earth, oftentimes will leave an inheritance to their children, large, small, or medium, it doesn't matter. They leave an inheritance. They leave things behind. We have an inheritance of things to come. That's a little bit different. What we get from physical is what's left. What we get from the Father in inheritance is what's to come. We can approach God as, as our Father in prayer. If you're fortunate enough to have a good dad, you can go to him and talk to him and say, Hey, Dad, talk to me about this. Hey, Dad, I'm in need of. Could, could you help me out with this? And I know many of you have good, good, good dads. There's Stuart's dad. I, I love, love Lonnie to death. Lonnie, he had a good dad. And he's got to be proud and a happy man to have had that. A man who's faithful to the service of God, who raised him. And he's here with us. It's a wonderful thing to have that father. But our relationship to God the Father, similar but different. We go to him in prayer. Dad answers me back. The father answers me back in silence. Through his word. Through our hearts. Through different ways. So I don't hear his voice physically. But I very much hear him spiritually. He answers our prayers. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But we do have that, that unique relationship with him. It draws a line, though. Everyone is not in the family. Our Heavenly Father designated certain entry requirements. When a woman gets pregnant, there's no requirement. In nine months, she's going to have a baby. started it's there you're going to bear the pain you're going to bear the joy the whole nine yards but not everyone is in God's family if these criteria aren't met you're not part of the family merely running with the family doesn't make you a part of the family we, we an analogy I gave one night on a Wednesday invitation I love baseball some of you know I love baseball some of you might have been to games with me I love baseball. I'd love to play baseball, but I'm, not, I'm, I'm way old, but I'm also not good enough to play baseball. But I use the analogy, somebody goes to the ball game. They can stand there and they can run up that baseline. They can touch the base. They can run around the bases. They can touch home plate. They can catch the ball coming in the air. But if they're not on the team, it doesn't matter. 
you can run those bases all day long and you can hit that home plate as many times as you can, but the run doesn't count. It's like that old TV show said, the points, it's all made up and the points don't matter. It doesn't matter. It's important to remember that Satan is very subtle and he's going to try to side rail us from our track towards God. One of his most effective attacks on Christianity has been the blurring of lines concerning just who is and who is not in the family. He will tell you this and he will tell you that. But brethren, we need to read these holy scriptures to know who is and who is not in the family. I love to listen to this Baptist preacher. Many of you probably know him, Charles Stanley. He's about 112 years old. But he's been around forever. And that man gives some of the best sermons you'd ever want to hear in your life. And 85 to 90 percent of what he says is right on the money. But when he gets to the end of his sermons, Mary gets so frustrated with me because I say, I can't stand when he does this. Who knows what it is that he does? And don't let anybody tell you you've got to be baptized for the remission of your sins. You simply say the, Lord, the prayer to the Lord and ask for to be in his family and you're in his family. And with all the other good he preaches, it's easy to slide in there and believe that. Because he, he, he pronounces it as reasonable. Again, notice how the Bible says we're born into the family of God. 1 Peter 1.23, uh, 1 Galatians 3, Acts 2.38. We know the scriptures. We know what it says. Repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. That's when you enter in to the Lord's family. We have responsibilities when we become family. When you become married and become family through marriage, you have responsibilities. The kid next door to us was in his 20s and wanted to get married. And he was so full of himself, it's not funny, very immature. But he went to church. He was a nice enough kid. He told me, he said, Mr. Wayne, he says, I'm going to ask Laura Kate to marry me. And I have a pretty good relationship with the kid. And I said, Lee, are you ready to take, take on a wife? And he got this puzzled huh? look on his face. He said, what do you mean? I said, are you ready to take on the responsibilities of being a husband and taking on a wife? And that's a whole other study that most of us probably know. And we studied together for, I don't know, two or three months before he got married. I couldn't convince him to become a Christian, but I did convict him as to what a good husband was. Unfortunately, he's now seven or eight years later, 10 years, three kids, and a year or two ago got divorced because he apparently went back to being so full of himself. But we know what it means to become part of that family. And we want to be part of God's family. We want to share our burdens with one another. We want to lean on each other. We want to try to bring others into our family. Because, brethren, we are the future of God's family. He's given us the ability. He's given us the knowledge, the understanding. What we need is the will. And hopefully we have it to bring others to Christ. The Spirit itself, Romans 8. Romans 8, 16 and 17. The Spirit itself beareth the witness with our spirit. And here we go with the Spirit again and our spirit. That we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Now here in, in two verses in Romans 8, 16 and 17, 
sums up the connection with the Spirit, with God the Father, and with Jesus Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, Blessed be the God of Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, putting us in his family, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved for you in heaven who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. How wonderful it is to be part of the family of God with you, my brethren, my beloved, or whatever other name that I could say of endearment as to how much I love you and love being part of God's family with you. My last verse is 1 John 3, 1 John 3 verse 2. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. We're family, brother. I love you dearly. And I hope that as we work together in the future here, We'll continue to build our family, continue to build on our love for one another, lifting one another up to the best that we can all be in Christ Jesus and as individuals, both physical and spiritual. I think that most everybody here is among the family of God. We've noted that to be part of the family of God, you must know what the word says, believe it, repent of the sins that you've committed and agree to turn to a new way of life to be baptized after you confess his name for the remission of your sins that you too might enter into this family. If you haven't, there should be nothing holding you back. It's pretty easy. If you are a member of the Lord's Church and the devil has gotten a hold of you in some way, as we already said, he, he, he goes along the earth looking to see who of us he can get. And none of us are infallible. I know I'm certainly not. We need to consider these things. And respond to the invitation as appropriate. And if you're subject to that invitation, I know should you come to the front and take my hand as we stand and sing the invitation song. For me,